to the Courtney Turner Radio Hour. It is Monday, January 29th, and it is an honor to be here with you on WWCR Worldwide Radio. And last week, I had told you that I'd be speaking at the Senate for the Agricultural Committee. And I told you I'd give you a little recap of that. Um, I'm going to post the video as well at CourtneyTurner.com. You can go check out all of my work there. That's CourtneyTurner.com, which is spelled C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. So it's like Courtney. I spell my name a little bit differently. And uh, you can find all of my episodes, all my work, articles, ways to support me. And you can also uh, send support to my P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 680093, Franklin, Tennessee, 37068. So this experience, I told you I would share a little bit about it. It was really terrifying and nerve-wracking for me. I have never done anything like that before. But I really encourage everybody to get out and be involved, find something you're passionate about. They were wonderful. Uh, they were just very receptive, really interested in hearing what I had to say. It sounds like they're really interested in crafting a bill that'll put some sanctions against this uh you know, coming into Tennessee, because as I had mentioned before, they did withdraw the proposed rule um, from the, S the SEC. So it will not be listed on the New York Stock Exchange. But, you know, uh, as a Senator nicely had pointed out, you'll hear in his comments, he talked about how he's always astounded by their patience. And uh, it's really because they are masters of the Fabian model of incrementalism. So they they play the long game and they lay lots of layers. So, you know, it's kind of like you think about building a house and they keep putting layers and layers of bricks and then they seal the lid and you don't know all the toxic waste that's inside once they put the the roof on. And that's kind of how we get to where we are today. So all that to say that I think we have to stay vigilant and there's a lot of things that I would like to see done to push back against some of this. Um, mostly, you know, I think it's through the carbon pricing and carbon credits um, that some of that really needs to be pushed back. Once that is pushed back, then if you put some sanctions against that, the rest of it really can't go anywhere. So there's a couple of other things I suggested, and they had asked if I would help them with uh, drafting a bill, so I am in touch with them. And uh, I said I'm more than happy to. I think there's some other things I'd like to see uh, put in place. So we're going to talk about for the next session things like uh, the carbon credits to work on drafting something for that. And uh, I'm going to play the... Uh, testimony that I did for you so you can hear that and uh, then afterwards I'm going to talk about the next thing that I think really needs to be addressed which is uh, the carb it's the they call it climate smart commodities and the SEC has actually proposed a rule on this and this is directly tied to ESG and I think this is something that needs to be uh, addressed you know immediately if not sooner as well so I'll talk about that afterwards, but uh, yeah, you can hear the speech I did and, uh, you know, hopefully it'll be some encouragement for all of you to get involved wherever you are at the local level, um, because yeah, this, I'm certainly no expert and, it, you know, it was really just a passion and a concerned citizen. So I think we can all do that and I hope to inspire you. So I'll let you listen. Next up, we have a presentation, uh, Natural Asset Companies and Eco...
Both systems accounting, the Woods of Wall Street, Courtney Turner, and uh, we'll go into recess. And if you'll come forward and make sure the little red light is on and at the mic and state your name and who you're with, please. You're recognized. Hi, thank you so much for, for having me. Um, so I, I'll just preface by saying I, I'm not at all an expert. I am just a concerned citizen. I'm a podcaster, and this came on my radar uh, a couple of weeks ago, this uh, proposal from the New York Stock Exchange for Natural Asset Companies. Some people are calling it NAC, some people are calling it NAC, but that's what it stands for, Natural Asset Companies. I moved here a few years ago with my fiance, who's sitting over there. Um, and this is personal because we are looking for land. I, I don't know too much about farming, but I trust that all of you will know much more than I do and understand the urgency of this. Uh, he is specialized in permaculture, so we are, we've gone all over the state. This is an incredibly beautiful state, but I will say that some of the most beautiful land that I've seen is actually from privately owned farmland. And my suspicion is that be, that's because they value the land and they value, you know, the crops that they're yielding and the animals that they're tending to and they're raising. And uh, I'll just quote Margaret Byfield. She said that if we are, you know, if we don't own property, then we become the property that is owned. And I think mm -hmm. that is very much what this agenda was all about. So. I don't know how many of you know, but fortunately, the I was supposed to speak last week, and fortunately, in this time period, due to the weather, I'm speaking today, but fortunately, in that time period, the SEC had, the New York Stock Exchange actually withdrew their proposed proposal for this rule, which I think is a huge win, uh, but I still think we must stay vigilant because uh, the analogy would be this is a battle won and the war goes on. So uh, I'll give you a little bit of backstory in case you're not familiar. Essentially, the New York Stock Exchange teamed up with the IEG, which is the Intrinsic Exchange Group. And uh, the CEO is Douglas Egger. If you want more information, I recommend you watch some of his videos talking about you know, the history of this. And the IEG partnered with the New York Stock Exchange. So New York Stock Exchange is now double dipping here. Uh, they were hoping to make money, of course, on the publicly traded natural asset company, as well as in this uh, proposed uh, initiative. So the IEG was backed by people like the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, the IBD, which is the Inter-American uh, Development Bank, the IBD Lab, Abadir Ventures. Abadir Ventures specialize, they're a venture firm, they specialize in a lot of healthcare technology. Uh, that might be a longer conversation, but I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that that is very much tied to this. I think a lot of this is part of the greater agenda to put us into an AI world society. And uh, for more information on that, you can look at the centennial of the UN 100. Uh, so they're, they're doing in partnership with the Boston Global Forum. Uh, Michael Dukakis, who is the former governor of Massachusetts, has written this book. It's called Remaking the World, the Age of Global Enlightenment. They're imagining the centennial of uh, the UN, which would be in 2045, and they talk about an AI world society. They've done this symposium on rebuilding Ukraine. They talk about how Ukraine's been decimated by the wars. We need to send lots of funding and support to Ukraine to build this hub for an AI world society, which will be linked to all of these smart cities across the world. So uh, 
I won't take too much of a tangent to talk about that, but I do think it's connected. So back to they were funded by uh, the uh, Abadir Ventures, also entertaining ideas, which I couldn't find anything about. Uh, but some of their subcontracted uh, partners were people like the uh, World Wildlife Organization, which of course is the brainchild of Julian Huxley, who famously coined the term transhumanism in 1957. He was also a member of the Eugenics Association uh, or Society. And I'm going to just, if I can find it, read this quote because I think it's relevant. And this is from uh, UNESCO's uh, document, uh, UNESCO, its purpose and philosophy. It is, however, essential that eugenics should be brought entirely within the border of science, for as already indicated, in not the very remote future, the problem of improving the average quality of human beings is likely to become urgent, and this can only be accomplished by applying the findings of truly scientific eugenics. So these were the backers of the Intrinsic Exchange Group, and they partnered up. What they wanted to do was put this new category, and this is a novel category that does, didn't, doesn't exist, although several other countries are using it, and I'll explain that in a minute, um, to put that up on the New York Stock Exchange. Now, this would have opened up a whole host of tremendous problems. It would open up, uh, you know, our foreign adversaries can now invest in land, not just federal lands, things like, you know, our uh, national parks and federally preserved lands, but also private owned land. And I think this is what's very relevant for agriculture, uh, because a lot of privately owned land and agricultural farms have what is known as conservation easements. I know there's been a big push for these conservation easements, and it sounds wonderful, right? We want to conserve our beautiful land. But unfortunately mm -hmm. for farmers, this is very devastating. Um, it can price them out completely. It could even make it so that they can't farm at all on the land because how this is done is through ecosystem management services. Um, so I'll explain a little bit about that. But I think one of the things, now that this has been withdrawn, again, I was saying how this is like a battle one, but I hope that we'll stay really vigilant in this fight. Um, this has a very long history. Uh, so, you know, natural uh, capital accounting goes all the way back. There was a, a Schumacher, I believe, in 1973, wrote a whole book on how we have to value uh, natural capital. And this is something the White House is currently really aggressively pushing forward. So this is where I think that we need to put uh, sanctions locally, you know, in the state uh, to protect against any more encroachment. And so some of this goes back to the, they've been building this, how do you value nature, right? Valuing mother nature. So this is things like air, I, I used to make this joke that we were going, they were going to commodify air and then regulate it so we'd have to buy it. Uh, but that's kind of really what they're trying to do. So this is through water, air, resources like, uh, you know, minerals, oil, uh, even photosynthesis is included in this natural asset companies. So the UN back in 2012 uh, put forth a white paper um, and it was called the an acronym is a SEEA Ecosystem Accounting. Uh, so this stands for a system of environmental economic accounting, ecosystem accounting. And at the time, 90 countries back in 2012 had already signed on. Now, much of the world already has these natural asset companies, which uh, you know is part of what's 
happening with like you may be familiar with the farmers in the Netherlands and how the government is uh, seizing control over those lands. And it is in part due to these natural asset companies, how they're able to seize uh, control. So this was in fact in 2012. And when I doing the research on this, they kept saying the United States hasn't signed on yet, but you could tell they were really pushing for the United States to sign on. And I think it's partly because the United States is so rich in natural resources and they want a piece of that and they want to, you know, starve us out and control us. And that, that's my personal assessment. Um, <laughs> however, in uh, the United States did not have that. We had generally accepted accounting principles, which are usually based on, you know, value of actual production. This is the inverse of that. It's literally standing it on its head. And it is in 2000, uh, sorry, 2023, January last year, uh, the Biden administration put forth essentially our version of this ecosystem accounting. And uh, I forgot the actual name of the document, but it'd be very easy to look up. I can you know, submit it to anybody who's interested. And it is essentially adopting the UN accounting system. And I think this is what really needs to be pushed back against. Um, so this is a, the, where they want to go with this. A lot of people ask, well, how are they going to make money? So when you look at the New York Stock Exchange, you look at the Intrinsic Exchange Group, uh, they are very giddy about how much money they're going to make. They're talking about upwards of five quadrillion dollars that nature is valued. Um, now, I think nature personally is invaluable and, uh, you know, that should not be privately owned. <laughs> and I think this is kind of a made-up, bogus accounting system. I don't think there really is a way to put a monetary value on it. But this is what they're trying to do. And uh, they put, the Biden administration also put up an executive order to put nature on the balance sheet. Literally, <laughs> put nature on the balance sheet. So they're trying to value all of this uh and the way that they think they're going to make this money, so five quadrillion dollars. So even though they withdrew this proposal, I, I think it might be a little naive to think they're just going to rest. That's a lot of money on the table for them. So the way they're going, going to do this, theoretically, because it's what they're talking about, is through the NACs, you wouldn't necessarily have to own the land. You would have management rights of the land. So it's all under the guise of conservation. And this is part of an agenda, it's called the 30 by 30 agenda. And uh, the Biden administration put that forth, uh, and I can find the exact uh, executive order. It was 14008 on January 27, 2021. So just shortly after he uh, was in office. And uh, this initiative directs that at least 30% of uh, the world's uh, water and lands would be conserved. So that's a big buzzword that they're using is conservation. They have been pushed to explain what that word means and uh, give an actual definition. And uh, they have yet to do that, at least uh, to my understanding. I've not seen them come forth with any definition. So it's a little bit vague, but it does mean that they want to have uh, management services under the guise of conservation. Um, so some things that I would really encourage is to watch out for some of these buzzwords. I know I had recently been informed that there was a bill put forth uh, in Tennessee to uh, regarding agricultural easements. And this is another word for conservation easements. And the problem with these conservation easements is even without the landowners 
awareness, if it's part of a land trust, let's say they are second or third generation, it could be enrolled in this conservation easement that could be purchased by a NAC. And that would be, could be potentially be very detrimental to that landowner and to that farmer. And they might not even know. Now they suddenly don't have rights. So back to the way they're going to commodify this. They literally think they're going to commodify air, water, land. Um, and they're doing this through things like carbon offsets. So it's carbon pricing, which is really just a way to tax uh, the people um, and to try and get to the you know, net zero agenda, um, and then carbon credits. So they would be, you know, valuing some sort of, and it really looks kind of arbitrary in my estimation, uh, carbon credit uh, to how much you do not produce on the land. So this is very antithetical to typical economics. We value production, and this is valuing degrowth. It's part of a, a degrowth philosophy where there would be minimal or no, they're calling it low yield or no yield, uh, so no production. And uh, some of the other buzzwords, you know, they talk about regenerative farming. And uh, when I had first uh, learned about this and I started talking about it, you know, I got a lot of pushback because people like the sound of regenerative farming. You know, a lot of people, especially today with all of the, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, I call it the terraforming. You know, we have now Bill Gates has fake salt. <laughs> um, so obviously the fake meat and, you know, so much of the artificial products and the, of course, you know, the, uh, chemicals that are used and the unnatural means of farming. A lot of people like the sound of regenerative. It sounds like it sounds like, you know, organic, holistic, and they say it's a step beyond. But I did a little investigating, and uh, you know, as typical of what they do, they kind of co-opt these terms. And so, regenerative is now tied to uh, the carbon uh, carbon zero, the climate smart is one of the big words that they're using. And climate smart is part of how they're, uh, it looks like how they're going to actually value these natural resources. You know, they will monitor using smart sensors and, uh, you know, technology that you would think, you know, like in the 15-minute cities and the C40 cities, um, they would now put that onto some of this land, uh, the conser conserved land. So... That's a little bit of a, a backstory on all of this and why I think it is so detrimental. Um, you know, it does open the door for, for so many problems in terms of foreign ownership. Uh, you know, things like, let's just say hypothetically, you could have a land that is really rich in uh, oil and uh, now you have somebody like Saudi Arabia buy, invest in, in NACs. And what they can do under these NACs is they could start drilling, even though they tell you you can't because you have to conserve the land or you, can, you can't farm, right, because you have to preserve the land. But now they can, and what would happen is it becomes delisted, and, but they still have the rights, and they have ecosystem management rights. That's one of the terms for it is ecosystem management, but it's really this idea that they want to conserve and... Uh, preserve the land, which means there can be no use of the land. Personally, I think that the best ecosystem and the best preservation of the land is when it is tended by people who, who value it. And there's nothing that's valued like personal ownership. So um, so this is my, my thoughts on some of this. And uh, I, uh, I just lost all of my notes. Um, so anyway, I... 
I had a whole thing on proposing some of my suggestions. Uh, I think one of the things I, I would propose is just the, to be very mindful of conservation easements. I, I know that there was a bill put forth by um, Kramer in North Dakota. I'm not a policy expert, <laughs> I'll leave that to you. Uh, these are just things that I, I recommend to look into. Uh, but there was a bill put forth, uh, a, in a Land Easement Rights Act by uh, Kramer in North Dakota. And I think that might be some good advice, but my understanding is that conservation easements are typically for perpetuity. And uh, you know, he was proposing that maybe there would be term limit on it. I, I think the, it was 50 years um, in, in that case. There was also a clause for a potential to buy back um, the conservation easement. So let's say you were second, third generation, you had no idea that your parents, your grandparents even enrolled in this conservation easement. Um, and then there would be an opportunity to buy it back. Uh, you know, my personal concern with that is there needs to be a fair way to assess that so that it doesn't just price people out where they can't. Um, some of the other things are to put some sort of sanctions against carbon credits and uh, carbon pricing, because that's really kind of the linchpin for all of this. Uh, if you don't have that, then, you know, they, they, they can put whatever measures forth, but it really won't go anywhere and they're not going to monetize. It de-incentivizes de de them because the incentive is this five quadrillion valuation that they think they're going to get, which is really from uh, these uh, carbon pricing and carbon offsets. Um, what are some of the other things that I suggested? I'm so sorry. I don't know how I did that. I lost all my notes. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so I think the carbon uh, to do that and then... Uh, to, yeah, I guess to look out just for some of these terms, you know, like the um, biodiversity, the carbon zero, uh, the regenerative uh, transformation is another, just to, because they co-opt a lot of these terms. And so it doesn't always mean what we traditionally think it means. And uh, yeah, just in terms of farmland, you know, there, this is really, uh, it, it would be a way to price farmers out through regulation and they could seize up that land and the farmer is kind of, uh, you know, almost forced to sell for very cheap and uh, it, it, or forced to hold on to this land and not be able to produce on it. So, okay. thank yeah. you. Do we have any questions for Ms. Turner? Senator Leslie. Thank you, Ms. Turner. I really appreciate you. That's a complicated subject. <laughs> My father told me when I was just 10 or 12 years old, he said, don't take money from the government. He said, what they want back is worth more than what they give you. Yep. And when I was chairman of the Ag Committee over in the House 14 years ago, we invited a man named Ralph Lamb. He could have been your granddaddy. He told us, he predicted this very thing. He said at the time, he said, the only thing worse than the government taking your land is you entered into a conservation easement with them. He said, that's worse than them just condemning it and taking it because you're shackled. Um, I, I learned about these NACs late in the game, and uh, your name was given to me by some your friends up in Sevierville. Uh, one guy explained it to me this way. He said, years ago, the U.S. dollar was backed with gold. And, of course, they finally, you know, under Nixon, they, the foreigners and the Federal Reserve ended up with all the gold. So after that, they, they backed the dollar with the, what they call the petrodollar. That meant that uh, we went over to the... OPEC nations, and we told them, said, hey, we'll protect you if you will let, uh, if you will only sell oil in dollars. 
and you ha they had to they had to buy oil in dollars. Well, that worked until about a year or so ago, and that started it's starting to break down now. The OPEC nations are starting to sell oil to anybody in any currency they want. So they had to get something else to back up the dollar. So they're backing it with our natural resources, both public and private. National parks, national forest, Bureau of Land Management land out west, and now it appears farmland, who, who, people who have been tricked and have foolishly signed up with a conservation easement, they're going to use these. Now, is that pretty close to yeah, being right, yeah. what I, I just told you? I think it's also, uh, we should look back at the uh, um, derivatives, right? This kind of similar to that, and that was what led to the crash of 2008. I think that that's kind of what they're hoping, that they'll, they'll get very rich off of this, but most of the people are going to be kind of starved out. I mean, it'd be a way to starve people deplete them of strip them of their the resources needed to do things like heat and cool <laughs> their homes to run their cars um, and really I think it is part of this agenda to put everybody to push people into the city to have control for themselves of the natural resources and bring people to their knees so that they can move forward with their with their plants and the, you know the, the plans sound I know they sound kind of fantastical to people who haven't heard them but they're written you know, you read these white paper documents of the UN, the World Economic Forum, um, and it, it's all written there. I mean, Agenda 20, uh, the Agenda 2030 is what the 30 by 30 plan is. And this is just a stepping stone to the Half-Earth Agenda, which is a, a book written by E.O. Wilson. He, he outlines the whole Half-Earth. And of course, that's only half of the Earth can be inhabited by human use. There's, there's a map. I didn't bring it with me. But when you look at it, it's to see the visual representation is pretty Senator Nassley, you recognize? About 20 years ago, there was a coal miner by the name of H.E. Hearn. He was a lobbyist here, well-mattered had unpeckable matters, graduate of Swati. And he told me about the wildland projects. He says, now you're gonna think I'm crazy. And I did when he told me. But he said, don't worry about it, just remember what I tell you. He said, passed on. He said, they're wanting to create wildlands where no human being can go. Be flyover, it's for the animals. And they want they use these words like corridors and, and these local planners, they go off to conventions and they come back with all these head full of buzzwords like corridors. So the, Wild animals can navigate from one wild land to another. And then after that, they'd have some land that you could maybe hike and fish and farm on. But the vast majority of the people would be moved into these 15-minute cities. Well, that was 20 years ago. I, I thought it was crazy, but I did remember it. And since then, everything he said has just gradually come to The thing that I, I don't admire really anything about these globalists but the thing that I do impresses me is their patience. They, they predict this stuff. They plan this stuff years and years ahead. And they slowly, like the Chinese on a 100-year plan, slowly, methodically would implement their plan. Now, it is impressive how patient they are. Because they've been planning this thing for, for years, just all this. Now, what I would like for, for you to help us with is come up with some ideas as a sovereign state, we can mm -hmm. put up some roadblocks and try to keep uh, keep this pushed off. Yeah. So uh, I think we probably need a caption bill or two, and we'd and I'd like to bring a bill to uh, throw up some roadblocks. Yeah. And if you could help us with that, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Senator Bowling, you're recognized. 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you very much for presenting a very complicated uh, scenario. And as you say, a lot of people, this sounds preposterous or, or off the charts. Uh, back in the 90s, I was district director in a congressional office, and I had people coming to me, uh, sincerely, some of the smartest people I knew. And they were saying, we need to get ahead of this Agenda 21. And this was in the 1990s. Agenda 21, that was a long time down the road. And I saw a lot of things happening in 2021 that were exactly identified in Agenda 21 and of, of closing down stores, of moving people into smaller places, into keeping people uh, controlled. It, it's control, one thing or another. And it's the opposite of what we took an oath to uphold, which is the God-given rights of the citizens of the state of Tennessee. So our job is, is to make certain those rights are protected rather than trying to grow government to protect the people. That is a very nanny state. I don't think any of the Republicans really look at a nanny state. Uh, we look at the freedom and the ability under a constitutional republic based on the rule of law that's based on the words of God Almighty. It doesn't work without being a, a Christian or a biblical worldview. So God is the creator and God is the sustainer. And he says there'll be seed time and harvest till he comes again. So a lot of these things seem to be coming from people who are very confused about how they got here in the first place and what is keeping them here in the first place and who can change all that in a, in a twinkling of the eye. But, but man will not be the salvation and man's thoughts and plans will not be. So I thank you very much that if we want to do things, we have to cooperate with the creator not decide that um, we are, are thieves and robbers and taking away what he created for everyone to, to a select few. It, it's a scary proposition. But everything Frank nicely says, even when people don't believe him, they come to find out, golly bum, he was right. And, and uh, again, we're looking at the frog in the water. They have boiled us a little bit at a time. They've turned up the heat. And now we hardly notice that we're about to be boiled alive. So thank you very much. And, uh, and thank you for being able to present some complex things very succinctly. Any other questions for Ms. Turner? Seeing none, we thank you very much. And we'll go back into regular session now. And uh, that's the last thing on the agenda. Do we have a motion to adjourn? We have a motion to adjourn. Well, that was a huge honor. And uh, as you can see, you know, I was super, super nervous for that. But as you can see, I think it went pretty well. They were very receptive. And uh, so I really encourage everybody to to do that. If you have an opportunity to speak to your legislators, to, uh, you know, have your voice heard, then I, I encourage you to do so. I think it's really important that we take action, particularly locally, because I honestly don't see somebody had actually asked me this on a podcast. They asked me if I thought that uh, I think it was the who the who that they were referring to. But, you know, I think it applies to all these NGOs, the U.N., the who, um, you know, we have, the list goes on and on. But do, did I think that their plans could be stopped? And I truthfully don't know. I, I don't know that I have the answer to that. But 
What I do know is that we can create buffers and we can protect our space locally, our communities, uh, you know, and the most local action that we can take to protect ourselves and protect our liberties and freedoms. I think we should do so. And I think we have the most power to effectuate change and to safeguard those liberties when it is at the local level. So I strongly encourage everyone to do that. I think the one word I had left out, I, I'd given them some suggestions of things to look into, uh, some things to, because they had asked if I would help with a, a bill. It does sound like they do want to move forward, which is very encouraging. Uh, I had, I, I think I mentioned this in the beginning, but I'd also suggested that there be something regarding uh, carbon pricing and carbon credits. They said that would have to wait till, I guess they only get 15 bills. I'm learning so much in this process. I, I feel very naive. Uh, we I was not taught civics. Um, I think most of us uh, were not, uh, certainly this day and age in the United States. So uh, I didn't know that they only have 15 bills that they can uh, post in one, they can propose in one session. So they said that would have to wait till next one, but that they were definitely interested. So um, we'll work on a bunch. Uh, but the other word that was very key that I left out was sustainable. That's a huge buzzword in all of these. Um, so definitely sanctions against any possibility of NACs, which really right now means targeting a natural uh, capital accounting and uh, whatever can be done to stop that and put buffers against that going into effect would be great. So the next thing that I would propose is that, that we should be uh, aware of and that we should stop is the uh, Securities Exchange Commission announced their plans to force force all publicly traded companies to submit an ESG report. This was back in March of uh, 22, 2022. So a while ago, almost two years ago now, uh, they had proposed that and it, they are pushing forward. So in September, uh, the USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture, without any congressional approval or oversight, announced that they were spending, this is a huge, huge number, uh, $3.1 billion to implement partnerships for climate smart commodity projects. And uh, this is an extension of this uh, ESG reporting. So for those who are not familiar, ESG stands for Environmental Social Governance. It's a program that was designed, once again, by the United Nations. So I am back to what I was saying about whether or not we can stop the UN. I don't really see that we can. I mean, I'd love to think that we can, um, but I don't know that that's realistic. But what I do think is that the United States should never have entered into any kind of agreements with the UN. I think that is actually unconstitutional. But now that we have, uh, I think we need to, one, pull out and also do whatever we can to buffer ourselves against any of the plans, uh, you know, infiltrating in uh, the states. And I think that's something that we do have a little bit of power over, and that is a power that we should certainly uh, utilize and uh, ensure that we have uh, safeguards to defend liberty locally. So this was a program designed by the United Nations, implemented by the world's largest investment firm. So uh, I haven't looked into exactly who it is, but we know some of the big key players who are really pushing this uh, ESG agenda are people like BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, uh, some of these very big uh, 
investment firms. And it's designed to create public-private partnerships. So it's a partnership between the government and the corporation, which unfortunately has lots of control over uh, the private lives of citizens. And it's all done under this umbrella guise of environmentalism and equality. And of course, by equality, they really mean equity. It's uh, equal outcomes versus uh, equal opportunity. And uh, environmentalism is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into all of that. But unfortunately, it's a, uh, you know, kind of a scam. It's this, this whole climate crisis narrative, which, by the way, the Club of Rome did their document in 1972 that I think most people are familiar with. It's the Limits of Growth document. And that's where a lot of this climate crisis narrative uh, was promulgated and uh, under you know, the auspices of a Malthusian worldview that we have limited resources, which again is why uh, they're valuing the NACs, right? That's limited natural resources and they're the it then follows, according to the Malthusians, that we need to depopulate the planet because there won't be enough people to, uh, you know, spread all these resources. Um, but then in 1992, they did another document and it was called the Global Reformation Document. And in this document, they actually admitted that that narrative that they had crafted in their 1972 document, uh, The Limits of Growth, was basically propaganda. They pretty much admitted it. I'm going to paraphrase. I don't remember the exact quote, but they were saying that there was going to be a lot of difficulty getting people to rally behind this, uh, you know, unproven scientific uh, narrative. And they, but that if they could create a common enemy, that people would, you know, jump on board. And so, of course, they decided that the enemy of humanity was man. And they admitted this. So uh, I just want to preface that because that's really the underpinnings of all we're seeing uh, with all of this uh, climate crisis uh, agenda. So the SEC proposed that ESG reports would consist of three scopes. Scope one is reporting the greenhouse gases that the company admits Scope two is reporting that the greenhouse gases that come from the energy the company uses. And then scope three is reporting the greenhouse gases of your suppliers and your customer. So this is really interesting. There, there wasn't a whole lot of pushback, uh, you know, on most of it, except because uh, it should be the whole pushback should be that this is a complete overreach of the SEC. This is a really should not be at all within their purview. And you would think that that's what people would push back again. But actually what it was is that it would force the small farmers to who supply publicly traded companies to calculate their greenhouse gases and submit a report. And most of them don't have the infrastructure to do this. So this would really, uh, you know, price out and uh, regulate out a lot of small farmers and even some medium-sized farmers, and honestly, even some uh, bigger corporate farmers who are just not prepared and don't have the infrastructure set up to do this kind of reporting. But of course, I, I probably don't need to, uh, you know, go outline and delineate all the ways that this is a complete disaster, um, and how much you know it's encroaching on uh, freedom of trade, freedom of enterprise, and of course, uh, privacy. Uh, this is, you know, a complete invasion. They want to track everything so that they can then monitor it and regulate it. And if they regulate, they can determine that you can't farm at all because you have violated their, 
you know, carbon emissions uh, limits or whatever, really, because it all just seems so arbitrary, um, unfortunately. At least that, that's what it looks like to me. So then here we go. Five months later, in September of 2022, the USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture, announced their partnership for climate smart commodity projects. And this, in my estimation, is a huge disaster waiting to happen. And this is uh, the next thing I really want to raise some alarms around. Uh, I think this needs to be stopped. I don't know how many people are really aware of it. Uh, I think it's kind of like the, uh, you know, SEC proposed rule on NACs. They were, they're really hoping to just quietly sneak this through. I didn't even know about this. And this is even, you know, this is back in 2022. Uh, so these pro projects quote-unquote projects, center around things like the implementation and monitoring of what they call climate smart practices. So, of course, it's pretty hard to get them to, you know, define a lot of these terms, and I think it's because they kind of make them up as they go along. Uh, you know, that's just my interpretation, but that's what it kind of looks like. Uh, it, you know, they, they kind of redefine things as it serves their agenda, and it's convenient. But some of the things would be planting cover crops, rotational grazing, and the projects just conveniently all have, uh, they all have technology partners that have apps. So this is done through, you know, apps like, you know, you have on your phone that focus on storing and sharing the data. So this is, again, the whole monitoring and regulating, which is something very concerning to me personally. Conveniently, these projects focus heavily on monitoring and, uh, there's some of the partnerships are like the Farm Journal project, which I believe they had actually. So I had mentioned this uh, $3.1 billion, which is really just a staggering amount that was uh, given to implement. This was uh, the United States of De Department of Agriculture. Again, without any congressional approval or oversight, they announced that they were just going to spend $3.1 billion to implement partnerships for this Climate Smart Commodities Project. And some of the places that this money has gone is $90 million to ADM, uh, $95 million to Iowa Soybean Association, $60 million to Nature Conservancy, 27 different universities with payments ranging from $4 million to $80 million. Uh, there's a 123 total listed as quote unquote lead partners. Um, but if you read the descriptions of these programs, you're going to find that there are other major partners, which include every major company in the food business from uh, companies like Costco are included. But so what I was going to bring up was this $40 million that went to the Farm Journal. And that's a, a media company. So that sounds to me like the kind of reminiscent of the IEG I had talked about last week, the Intrinsic Exchange Company hired Confluence Partners, which is uh, basically like a marketing uh, PR firm. Uh, and they kept talking about how they needed to craft the narrative for journalists and for NGOs because it was just so complicated and they wouldn't understand how to poise the narrative. And that seems kind of like what's going on here. They are trying to control the messaging and so that people don't understand what the real goal is. And this is really all about calcul calculating the greenhouse gas emissions. They call it implementation and monitoring of climate smart practices. And of course, that's so that they can then be regulated. 
Um, so he's a climate smart. Yeah, sorry, I'm I lost my place. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to talk about some of the different apps that are involved because so much money has been put into the technology. And I think I had mentioned uh, some of the backers behind IEG, uh, the Intrinsic Exchange Group, and one of them was Abadir Ventures, and they're a uh, healthcare technology company. So it seems like technology is really a huge part of this uh, whole initiative, and I think that's because it's all about surveilling and monitoring and tracking so that they can quantify and they can, uh, of course, uh, give things like carbon credits, ESG, uh, you know, they can uh, do uh, all this uh, monetization through this tracking measures. Uh, so some of the technology are uh, Trimble. It's a technology company that specializes in collecting and, and uh, uh, sharing the data. And then they, yeah, so... For those who are watching, I have the Trimble site up on uh, the screen, and they talk about the time to act is now. Um, setting science-based targets in 2021, we set science-based targets, receiving approval from science-based targets initiative in 2022. They outline how we will reduce emissions in the near term in line with the Paris Agreement and a net zero future. So, of course, net zero is referring to carbon zero. And uh, this, again, ties into the whole Agenda 2030, right? They talk about 2030 and beyond. Trimble Solutions continue to support our customers to achieve their own climate goals. So, of course, they make it sound like, you know, it's it's a part of uh, the company's goals, uh, not that they're being incentivized to do so. 2030, uh, 50% reduction of absolute scope 1, 2, and 3 emissions, which I had outlined previously. And then it goes down, uh, you know, from 2026, uh, 2025. Uh, 2025, they want uh, Trimble sources 100% renewable electricity. So this is things like solar panels and wind panels, which, of course, we've already seen how devastating that is. You know, uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> solar panels don't give you any energy when there's no sun. And when it's super cold, wind panels don't work. And I, I've even experienced out in California where the wind panels didn't work. And you would think, you know, that uh, it would be a temperate climate, which would be ideal, but it didn't. And uh when they do work, they kill tons of birds. It's actually really tragic. So, yeah, and then it goes down, 2022, 2021. So that is Trimble. And then one of the other ones is uh, uh, the comp it's Comet plan uh, planner tool. And that's used to quantify, monitor, report, verify greenhouse uh, gas benefits. And so they they will be, they're working together essentially um, but this is another uh, technology that they've invested in for this purpose to evaluate potential carbon sequestration and ga greenhouse gas reduction for adopting NRCS conservation practices. And there's that buzzword again, conservation. This is a, really one of their, you know, kind of umbrella terms for everything. And I, I think I had mentioned last week that they had done the Conservation Act of 1980. It was 1980. I think I was unsure last time, but it was 1980. And uh, that seemed to have paved the way for so much of this. 
And and it sounds lovely, right? Who doesn't want to conserve the beautiful land? Unfortunately, by conserve, they mean uh, make it so that it is unusable. And I think I had used the reference that I have found of uh, the gap demon. And it really does seem to be a very good kind of a, you know, analogy for what they're doing because they're making the land conserved so that it's uh, very appealing to these financial investors under this voodoo economic strategy. Uh, but it renders it unfertile because it, because of the conservation and ecosystem management policies and these net zero agendas that you can't actually produce on the land. In fact, you're incentivized not to produce on the land. And that is very, very concerning, but particularly to farmers. So, um, I, again, I'm bringing all this up because this, this is something that just, you know, as I continue to do research on this, I learned about this one and I'm like, okay, I think I need to bring this up to uh, my legislators to see what we can do to stop this because it looks like this is well underway and this will devastate uh, small farm small farmers and of course you know when you think about what is their agenda the they proverbial they I call them the parasite class and uh, it of course it is to have complete control they've talked about their depopulation agenda as well and I think they go hand in hand it's much easier to control a smaller population than it is to control a larger population but if they control the food uh, you know in fact I think that isn't that what uh, Kissinger said. I think it was Kissinger, right? He can control the food, controls the population. And they, they're controlling the food in many ways. Of course, they can starve people out by regulating out farmers. And uh, they can also, um, you know, deteriorate their health. And we've seen that with a lot of these uh, food alternatives. So much of what we have in the big chain stores is really, it's arguably not food. You know, it's really so filled with chemicals. It's it's like Soylent Green, which uh, I, I think one could argue is kind of a predictive programming. <laughs> so, but now Bill Gates has fake salt, <laughs> which has zero sodium in it. <laughs> so we're we're getting further and further away from nature, ironically, as they claim they're going to preserve nature. So we have strayed so far away from it. It almost looks like their their plans are to terraform. And when you look at the AI World Society agenda, it I don't think that's a far-fetched conjecture. So the uh, the com Comet Planner tool was developed by the USDA and Colorado State University to provide estimates of carbon sequestration for common conservative conservation agricultural practices. So here's like an example. Um, that if you were a government official and you wanted to track farms and ranches, greenhouse gases, then force them to adopt certain conservation practices, whether they could afford those practices or not, then those projects would be exactly what you need to get the ball rolling. But I should mention that this I'm I got I, what alerted me was an article from the uh, American Stewards of Liberty. I've mentioned them before. I had uh, Margaret Bythefield on uh, last time, and she's the executive director. They do fantastic work. I highly recommend you you know, look at their website and their resources. And this was an article that was posted uh, that it's called The Attack on Farmers and Ranchers that no one is talking about. So this was kind of my launching pad to learn about all of this. And I, they post lots of links in here. So I've kind of gone uh, 
you know, information spelunking, if you will, through this. And it's pretty terrifying, especially since so much of this is so well underway already. And, you know, it's hard to say how much uh, the people involved really know or if they are being paid off, uh, which is entirely possible. But, uh, you know, I when I said we're so far away from uh, in nature, I, I know there is, it does look like there's an awakening and people are really trying to get back to much more truly sustainable practices, not the sustainable in the context of the 17 sustainable goals, but really kind of like a, you know, self-reliance and, uh, you know, farming practices that are much more beneficial to mutually beneficial symbiotic to both uh, nature, the animals, as well as to humans, uh, you know, who are ingesting the products. Uh, and as we, we do that, uh, there's a, a real value on being able to, I think there always should be, but being able to source local uh, farmed goods and uh, local products. And these types of regulations are going to make it really difficult for any of them to survive because they don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the finances to keep up uh, with all of this ESG really just, it's nonsense uh, in my opinion. But so here's the Biden-Harris administration at announces new investments to improve measurement, monitoring, reporting, and verification of greenhouse gas emissions through President Biden's invest, Investing in America agenda. Hardly seems like investing in America. To me, it looks a little bit more like investing in the UN agenda and, uh, you know, marching us forward towards a one-world socialist order. So I... I present all this to hopefully make people aware uh, if you're not already and if you are uh, either way to take some action, you know, these are things that you can, I do really believe that we can go to our local communities, uh, local farmers, make them aware, see if you can get your county and state legislators uh, informed and interested in taking some sort of initiative because this is really not about climate. I know that's what it's all under the umbrella of climate uh, crisis, but this is really about taking away our freedoms. And they have very explicitly said that they, you know, by 2030, that the United States won't even be a power anymore uh, and that it would really be these small, you know, power blocks uh, that are reminiscent. But we we need to stop that so that we can preserve the freedoms. And uh, let me see if there's anything else that I want to... Uh, some of the companies who are involved in this uh, whole ESG uh, agenda uh, are John Deere, Tyson Foods, um, and the American Farm Bureau is promoting this program. I, I do believe that the uh, National Cattlemen's Beef Association is a partner with the, the farm journals on the in, in on the $40 million deal that I mentioned earlier. So... Yeah, I think uh, that's about all for now, but uh, I think that this is definitely very, very concerning and I think urgent because they are really pushing forward. So um, we need to stop this before it takes takes hold. And I think that part of what was going on with the, uh, the NACs is, uh, you know, there's I think it's tied to this, this whole ESG agenda. And the fact that the NACs 
proposal was withdrawn uh, indicates to me they're going to really aggressively march forward with this, uh, whatever they can. So here's just a little quote uh, before I wrap up. Uh, and it's from the SEC, sorry, the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC Chair Gary Gensler. And he says, investing, inv sorry, investors representing literally tons of trillions of dollars support climate relating related disclosures because they recognize that climate risks can pose significant financial risk to companies and investors need reliable information about climate risks to make informed investment decisions. So, yeah, I think that just kind of sums up my concerns that they are moving forward with this uh, ESG push so that they can uh, implement all of these uh, technological surveilling and tracking tools in order to push forward, uh, you know, their climate agenda and uh, to seize control. So I will leave it there for now. And uh, thank you so much for listening. I will be uh, back on uh, Monday, next Monday, you can find me here on WWCR Worldwide Radio. And uh, you can also find me at CourtneyTurner.com. It is, again, I spell my name like Courtney, so C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. And uh, you can find all of my work there. You can find all the different ways to support me there. I have several new products. Uh, those of you who see me drinking somebody asked me if it was wine no this is my element so i can stay salty and you can get discounts on your element at my website courtneyturner.com and uh, you can also add me to your crowd so you can have uh views with the uh, news you can use so it's a kind of like a an aggregate of news information and uh it's a great little uh site so definitely there and it, it's cold here so uh, you can get your relaxer sauna and, of course, the RNC, which is endorsed by G. Edward Griffin, uh, who is a true legend. I interviewed him. He was my th uh, 300th episode. And, uh, yeah, some grounding rocks to protect you from EMF and the honey colony. Yeah, so all that great stuff. And uh, I will uh, be back next week. So I hope you enjoyed. And, again, this is Courtney Turner. Thank you so much for listening. to the Courtney Turner Show on WWCR. Tune in every Monday at this frequency or every day at CourtneyTurner.com. C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y Turner.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.